What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert reviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, I'm recovering from that interview we did. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have been recovering from Sonic Temple Festival, so having you do the heavy lifting on this episode was uh, was really nice. Um, this episode's guest is Corey Brandon, vocalist for Norma Jean and Hundred Sons, and... Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I completed a make-a-wish thing here. Uh, I think Dan has pretty much gotten to talk to everyone from all of his favorite bands at this point. Yeah, I mean, we got Zayo, Hope's Fall, Norma Jean. Who, who's left at this point for you? Well, it's definitely not Demon Hunter, but that was a good chat. Um, Would it be Josh Scogan? Is that, that really the one of the last ones? Yeah, let's go ahead and just get uh, Josh Scogan on here, and then, uh, you know, then we'll be good. All right, well, when 68 gets done recording the new record, which they uh, actually just announced who's recording it, and that the fact that they are recording, uh, we can potentially make that happen, I bet. That would be a lot of fun. Hopefully he'll give us really weird, obtuse answers like he gives everybody else in interviews. Fair enough. Yeah, no, uh, this is a fun one. Um, Dan has been working on getting Corey uh, on discography discussion for a hot minute now, and was one of those things where um, I think that's going to happen as a result of doing this episode, but... Um, not unfortunately, I, I don't know maybe the adjective I want to use, but, um, with doing this podcast, we are in a unique position to a lot of times get the band people, uh, on, whether it is to promote a record, whether it's to talk, you know, preemptively about a record and so forth. Um, so this is one that Dan had been working on for a while, like I said, and kind of came to fruition thanks to Corey being a internet troll as he self-described internet troll um and once the european tour of with norma jean and like the tour and in flames uh was wrapped up he went on twitter and was like yo who hit me up to do a podcast let's let's do it uh and much to dan chagrin the whole internet replied back to that i know and i'm like i'm like the little guy in the back of the room raising my hand slowly being like it was it was me it was me i was (laughs) i was the one that did it uh so that'd be funny because he's doing interviews i think he said like all day today so like It'll be it'll be kind of funny uh, how many people end up saying that too. Like, oh yeah, it was me. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I mean that's the thing in the day and age of the internet. You don't know who actually had reached out to him, who had sent emails and so forth. I think we were, you were a lot more low key about it uh, in tweeting him and then sending him emails. Um, but I mean, I think that kind of speaks to the fact that you know Corey. I didn't really necessarily know how this interview was going to go. Um, some people have said that Corey really likes to talk. Um, some people have kind of – I've heard and read that he's kind of short uh, with his answers. And oh, I, I didn't get that at all. No, not at all. I, I found this to be a really fun, engaging chat. Um, as Dan was kind of saying right before we started, uh, it was very much like he just hopped in the middle of the conversation Dan and I were already having. Um, there was some audio issues on my end. Uh, for whatever reason, my internet decided that I needed to update Skype, needed to update the software to record everything, decided to just be a big pile of shit. Um, so there are occasions where... Uh, I might have cut out or whatever, but, you know, it is what it is. Dan, like I said, handled most of the conversation. and uh, I have a laptop. I recorded all of it. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's uh, one of those things where, uh, you know, I think this is a fun, engaging chat. I think very much like the one we did with Ryan from Demon Hunter, uh, the one we were able to do with uh, Adam of Hope's Fall. I think, you know, Dan's longtime, lifelong fandom uh, of the band adds an interesting countermeasure to me not having the being as avid of a fan as Dan is on this. I think it would almost be, I think the the thing that would be interesting, and if we can ever do an every time I die episode where like both of us are on it with whomever, 
I think it would almost be the same thing where Dan's like probably is more aware of every time I die's discography, but I don't think he's like as rabid of a fan as I am about the band. So it would almost be like that for him, like where he would just be like, yeah, you know, I, I like this one record. And uh, let me ask you some questions about the band as a whole. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely hot damn um, for me. But that's where you fell off after that. that you were done. Uh, I, I didn't well, No, I mean, I never fell off. Uh, but that was just my favorite record by them. That's not was. I mean, still is. I guess that's kind of the interesting thing about Norma Jean for me is like I remember, and I kind of wanted to bring this up because I, I wasn't sure if this was something that they the band felt, and maybe you can explain this uh, a little more than I can. But I remember seeing the band on Warp Tour when I think it was Anti Mother. Is that the one with the bird pecking out the, the pecking on the lady? That was uh, Redeemer. So yeah, that was that was the album before the Anti Mother. Okay, so on Redeemer, uh, I just remember the big backdrop. I went and saw the Warp Tour that year, and they were the opening band on Warp Tour at our date. And people just didn't seem to give a shit. The band didn't seem to give a shit. And it was kind of disheartening because it was one of the first times I had seen the band and been like actively wanting to see the band. Right. And to see a band just not really seemingly care and the fans not really seemingly care just kind of left like a, huh, all right, I I guess that's Norma Jean. That's Norma Jean now for, for, for me and for everybody else. Like people just don't care. And what's weird though, is I remember a lot of people liking that record. So I was pleasantly surprised that people didn't seem to care and weren't really showing up and supporting the band at that point. Maybe it's just way too early for people to be like ready to start push moshing. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of a weird, uh, kind of a weird way of looking at it, John, but no, no, I get you a hundred percent. Um, I definitely enjoyed doing this conversation because I had never, like, there's so many things, like, when you're a lifelong fan of the band, sometimes you make the mistake of assuming that you just, like, really closely know the person, even though you haven't really, like, the only real connection you've had to them is uh, through their art, which is, uh, you know, another conversation that we'll, with another band that that we'll do later, but, uh, or before, I don't know what order they're going to come out. But, uh, you know, making that connection to the art. And so it's always good to have that conversation and realize, oh, okay, I was right about this, 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 and this. And now I have it from the horse's mouth that that's the way, that's that's what the mindset was into whatever record or or, or song or idea or theme. We talked a lot about themes uh, in, the, in the conversation. So that was definitely a lot of fun. And... Uh, it is weird. I'll talk a little bit about this in the intro, though. Or, I'm sorry, in the outro, uh, about people assuming that they know you as, a, as in relation to podcasts. Yeah, um, this is actually a longer episode, so uh, let's just get right into the right into the swing of things and get right into our conversation with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean, and we'll talk to you guys afterwards. <laughs> We have the pleasure this early afternoon of speaking with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean. How are you doing at 12 o'clock on a, what is today, Tuesday or Wednesday? <laughs> it's Wednesday. I'm here. Thanks for having me. 
It's a good life if you don't remember what day it is, by the way. Absolutely. Well, I've got three kids, so like I can't tell you most of the time what time it is. What day? They're all real little, too, so it's like constant, just go, go, <laughs> yeah. go. But uh, I, I somehow managed to get an afternoon without everybody, so uh, I, thought I, I thought I'd spend it with you. So <laughs> Cool, man. I'm down. So um, you just got out of the studio. Yeah, did. Like what? Like ten minutes ago? Some uh, seems like <laughs> we we started writing um, early 2018. We did one tour last year, and then we did a few spot dates here and there. But we took the whole year of 2018 off to write this next album, and um, it was stressful. But uh, we went to the studio in February with Will Putney. Um. I don't think we've even announced that yet. I don't think anybody knows. No, no, no. <laughs> you haven't. World, world exclusive, right here. Um, it, it might, it might be out there, but um, I think I've tweeted about it here and there. But anyway, it, it, it is done. We're we're in mixing stage now, and we just did a European tour uh, with In Flames. So I just got back from that. But we we went straight from the studio. We were home for like two weeks, and then hit that tour. And I got a little time off before we get really, really busy. Yeah, I can imagine uh, jumping right out of a studio and just jumping right into like being tour ready is uh, is quite the stress. And uh, so, whenever you're on that tour, were you guys playing anything, anything new, any teasers, or I don't think anything's been teased or anything. No, what we we always think about that. We talk about it like, hey, do we want to play anything new off this album? But it, what happens is everyone films it and records it and you end up with bad audio and video first impression of a brand new song. So um, the last couple of records we've preferred to at least wait till one song is dropped and then we'll play that one. So maybe next tour um, in July with we're out with uh, uh <laughs> fit for a king and yeah there it is there's so many tours coming up man uh fit for a king and a few other bands so we'll have something out by then i think and we'll maybe play something new we'll see what's up well and speaking to the uh to the last album now well you know what john i'm gonna give you the opportunity to ask some questions because i could go all day so um, you know, I'll just kind of say right out the gate, um, something that we have been, or I should say I have been a stickler for, has been the EP versus full length thing. Obviously, it's been a, you know, not a complete three year differential between when you're going to put out this new record from Polar Similar. But I did want to know, you go, you drop Children of the Dead. And so it kind of makes me wonder, are you guys getting pressure from a label to kind of keep content out there, keep your name out there from a label perspective of just being like, people are going to forget about you? Or is it something that you just want to keep dropping new music for people because it's just, it's, it's fresh, it's new and it's what you're excited about currently. It's kind of both. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the label does, I wouldn't call it pressure, but, they, you know, yeah, they, they want, it's just part of our team and they want us to be successful. You know, if, if we are, they are. And, um, solid state is, a, is a, re- has been really, really awesome to us. And the reason we dropped children of the dead was because we did the deluxe, mm-hmm. uh, vinyl box set for polar similar and that, and, and children of the dead was a B side. 
to that album. Um, it's just a song that we didn't want to put on the record. So, you know, uh, we we had it just kind of chilling, and we we knew that we were going to release this vinyl eventually. That was the original idea and layout for Polar Similar, but budgeting is hard to get that kind of stuff done. I mean, it had like feathers, like bird feathers in it and stuff, you know, like like uh, little twist on little envelopes and all kinds of, you know, um, lithographs and cool stuff in there. So they did promise us that we would get to it um, after the record. But, it, you know, that was our first record back with Solid State. And I think it was kind of a we'll see how things go. But now we're at a point where I mean, I just we just had a conversation the other day about the new the new album and where we want to take that. And it was just a lot of a lot of yeses. You're like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Let's do this and this, too. So um, a lot a lot of content. We'll, we'll we'll be a little more steady with that stuff, and we're, I mean, truthfully, we're just bad at it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm we're we're a little bit older, and it, you know, I don't I don't I don't know what I'm doing, man. I just most of the time I'm just tweeting nonsense and trolling people. So it <laughs> that's well, it, I, the, the internet is just my playground, if anything. Well, I think that's something Dan and I have talked about to each other and with people on this podcast is talking about how, you know, for a lot of you, this started off being something you started as teenagers. And then the flip side of that is now all of a sudden you have to become businessmen and marketing people and all this other stuff that isn't what you signed up for. It's it's almost like a lack of responsibility is kind of what you wanted. And in turn, now all of a sudden you have to start thinking about things from a financial perspective, from a business perspective, and you as a person, you as Corey Brandon become a product. And it's like, no, that's not what, what happened to just getting into a room with my friends and fucking making noise that we enjoy. Like, Dan and I have kind of really talked about that quite a bit and just kind of how, how weird that is that, you know, for a band such as yourself, you know, looking at almost, what, a 20-year career or so, that it's like, that's not what it started as. And now here you are, and you're still expected to kind of have to look at layouts of things. And you're like, I, I don't know, like, just do something cool. Don't make me look like a dick. Yeah, dude, I, you're speaking the truth. I mean, you're, that's that's like you preached it just now. That was great because I always tell people when I was eight years old and I wanted to be a musician, nobody told me that it's mostly a desk job. You know, it's right. you're emailing. <laughs> you're, I mean, I mean, for the first yeah, um, several years of your life, you're you're booking your own tours, you're putting out your own things, and and, I, and another part of it too uh, that I, I always tell people is a good 75% of being in a band is talking people into being in a band with you. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? You're not wrong at all about that. Yeah. And if, and so, you know, at first you're a local thing. It's, you're going to find guys who are like, yeah, let's do it. And then when, you know, you find out how much work is actually involved, people start dropping like flies. And at this point, you know, Norma Jean is all over the country. You know, we're, we're, none of us are in, from the same town anymore. Um, besides me and one other guy, which is just luck of the draw. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's kind of the thing where, you know, when you pick a job where you get to make your own hours, you end up picking 24, seven, 365. You, you want to do it. And it does get to a place where, you know, like even, you know, going from the studio two weeks off 
straight into a tour, yeah, there's stress. It, it's you're not going to get around that. I mean, the biggest stress is that you're leaving and you're not going to see your family for a little bit. But we were off for so long, I couldn't wait. And we, the drive is there. So it's 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 there more now than it was ten years ago for me. So I want to do it even harder, um, and I, I believe in it. I think I think what we do in a lot of bands, most any band, I think what music does for people is important. So you know, people our lives are changed. For me, it's happened with me. I have bands that changed my life. You know, got me through stuff. So we hear those same kind of stories, and it makes us look at it differently and think, oh, this isn't just you know, it isn't just messing around in a, in a garage with your friends, you know, it's, it has a, a, an impact. And so we better make sure that we're doing it right. Especially if we're going to spend time away from our family, always be doing it right. So is there kind of a burden of responsibility there that you sometimes feel when going into writing a new record? I know Polar Similar definitely dealt with some pretty heavy subjects and, and stuff like that. Do you ever, do you ever get? Do you ever just have that urge to like? Oh, I just want to put out a fun record, or I want to put out a super serious one, or do you ever feel like you kind of have to make a certain record in order to quote unquote appease the fans? I mean, I understand that there's fans that are just like, just play the first album its entire. Yeah. You know what I mean, but like, um, and we love those fans too. I yeah. mean, we love we love all of our records. You've done it. You've gone out and played the first album. It's like, hey, if, I mean, if that's what yeah. you want, you know. Yeah, I mean, we it. You know, everybody has those records, you know, your favorite band. And then from that band, you have your favorite album. And then you might only like that one or you might like the first one and the middle one or, you know, bands expecting their fans to like everything they do is ridiculous. You don't do that, band guy, (laughs) you know, Uh, I, I always tell people my favorite one of my favorite bands is the Smashing Pumpkins. My favorite album is Siamese Dream. I like some stuff after that. That's my favorite one, though. And so when someone tells me, you know, oh, you know, oh God, the aftermath is the only record I like or something, I'm like, cool. It, that makes you a Norma Jean fan. Like, you like one record? That's cool, because we like that record, too. And, you know, we're going to play it as much as we can. Um, but, no, I don't... I, yes, we do think, to answer the original question, all the time we think, let's just not give a shit and do a whole record of feedback and breakdowns. Right. <laughs> but when you, actually get, <laughs> when you actually get in the room, different ideas come out and, and bigger ideas and you work together and it changes into something else. So what we try to do is at least have that one song. So on every album, for sure, if, if you like earlier stuff, on every album, there's at least one or two songs that were written with that intention. And I don't see anything wrong with that. It, You know, the, the idea of, we're just going to make this record for us. We don't give a crap what anybody thinks. I, I think that takes away a little bit of... of the power behind music and and that you can embrace that and say, yeah, I want to write at least a song for these people. 
You know, I want them to have something. And and that kind of makes you think creatively in a different way. So I don't know. I at, When it comes to music, I, I try to not lose in that and all of those different areas and, and try to find a way to make any of those things that could be thought of as negative into a positive somehow. And it's all experimenting. So sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Dan is, uh, Dan did an episode, their hundredth episode of discography discussion. They did it on Norma Jean. Dan has been, I would safe to say a lifelong fan from the first record on. Um, I have been kind of more in that boat of like you're saying, where I kind of dip in and out based on the records that find me at that time. As such, I was definitely not a fan of the band when they first started. So as such, it kind of does make me wonder when there really aren't the majority of the band at this point is not the band that started. Why do you feel the need to still satiate fans that are from so long ago when it's clear that you guys have kind of struck out far beyond that at this point, especially with the last record? Yeah, I think that's not a, a thing that's at the top of the list. It's kind of a thing where, um, like I said, we love those albums too. And so it's not like we're ever doing anything that we don't want to do. We just think of it as we want to do it because we want to give something in that world because that's, you know, it's, it's okay to love your roots. Um, but for us, it's a little too, it's like too easy you know, it's it that it's a, like an adolescent world to us to to come from there. And and, you know, you, you grow and you experiment, and you, you change and you get new ideas. And so that's mostly what we're going to do. But, um, you know, I it, it's it's for the it's for the fans in a sense of, you know, you if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I I just don't think that. You know, if anybody that follows Norma Jean knows that we don't talk about the inner workings of the band and we do that on purpose because I think that it just gets in the way. And I think that that kind of marketing of, you know, here's a promo picture, which every band has to do, like we got to do them too. (laughs) And like, here's the faces that you should, uh, you know, think about when you hear this band name and this music. And I separate all of those things. When I see the five people in a picture, I see five separate individuals with totally different backgrounds and trajectories in life and different ideas for music, how they want to create. I see a band name that's a placeholder so you can find the music when you need to. You know, it used to be in a music store, not so much, whatever. It's Now it's on a search engine, fine. And then you have the music. And I... I want the music to have a voice of its own. And at the end of the day, it's always, do you like it or not? And I I think all that other kind of stuff shouldn't matter as much. You know, who made it? It's like, okay, you can care about that if you want. Um, But the Beatles was a boy band and that's the marketing trick they use. And I don't think the, you know, it's probably some label that thought of that crap. And (laughs) I'm, I'm in a heavy, heavy band. I, I, I don't follow that same idea. Um, there's nuance to it, and you you can do it however you want. Um, but the, it's I don't know that I think the idea of loyalty has kind of messed up a lot of music, and I, I gave up on 
loyalty to genre and those types of things a long time ago. Totally understandable. And, you know, one of the things that I've always, as John said, I've been kind of a lifetime fan. You know, I remember buying Oh God, The Aftermath the day it came out and being really excited because I had Bless the Martyr before that. And one of the things that I always liked about Norma Jean was that I always felt like as I grew into adulthood, the band grew with me. In a sense, you know, like I'm growing up, you're growing up, you're writing the music yeah. know, from that older from that older perspective. I guess uh, I, I hate tying too much into into uh, that original question, but uh, one of the things people always ask me is they're like, you know, what do you like about Norma Jean now? And I would just say that it's basically just the fact that as an adult, like I can relate to the lyrics a lot more as obtuse as they may be sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, I can relate to them. And I guess, you know, when we talk about loyalty, you know, to a style of music, but as far as loyalty to fans, I mean, it sounds like I always feel like when I hear a new Norma Jean record, it's hitting me where I'm at right now, you know, as an adult. And is that an intentional thing? Or is that, do you think that's just a gradual aging process, I guess, so to speak? Oh yeah. I mean, really, we, um, at least for me, I'm thinking not even just now I'm thinking of what's, you know, next year, because right. that's when the record's going to come out. So we try, I, I don't know, for me, I just try to put the, you know, lyrically, that's just going to be come from a personal place. And, and I always try to build a theme first um, that, that travels through, you know, the record. Um, and that's going to kind of stay. And I, I try to think of themes that have a classic feel to them that don't, that aren't, aren't just situational on the moment because those things change all the time, you know, and, and lots of bands do that. And I, I don't, like I said, there's no right or wrong way to do that. That's just the way I like to do it. Um, but yeah, musically it, it is a lot of, I don't know, let's, <laughs> how does this sound? You know, it, it's just experimenting. Like at the end of the day, you, you always come back to the, the very beginning and start over again. And, and, you know, one thing that we've always had, we, we finish an album and we go, what the hell are we going to do next? How, <laughs> right. What, like, are we done now? <laughs> like, is that it? So, you know, that's why there's three year gaps in between albums. Um, because we come out of the studio and we're just like, we're, it's going to be a bit. Well, speaking um, except of... for the new one, we we went straight into writing uh, actually for, after this because we're just pumped. So uh, there's a lot of energy in Norma Jean right now, and I've, there's a lot more to come. It's it's it really is kind of a rebirth in a sense. Well, and speaking to themes too, the biggest theme that jumped out of me on Polar Similar was kind of a space theme. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, I'm a huge fan of Hope's Fall. Uh, I mean, just me too. Die Hard, like their new record is fucking yeah. I have a Hope's Fall tattoo. Okay, I'm not that hardcore, but uh, <laughs> I grew up in a conservative household, man. Uh, I was only li- allowed to listen to the first two Hope's Fall records, uh, but <laughs> the whole new? yeah, right. Their their newest record is just fucking unstoppable. Oh but, my gosh, dude! Yeah, it's like nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. I got it on pink vinyl. I'm not ashamed at all, like even a little bit. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's so good. But uh, you know that that's what I that's what really drew me to Polar Similar was that it had kind of a, a spacey type of theme to it, 
And yeah. that was the first time, you know, like I think on my other podcast, I described Norma Jean's sound as like, it's like a rock band that screams that has, that's like covered in like 10 pounds of bacon grease. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's a little bit sludgy, but yeah, you know, cleans up here and there and yeah, it's, it's a lot of left turns. But uh, what was funny about it is that like my uh, my co-host on my other podcast, he was going through like a really dark time in his life. Um, you know, he he was just like, I got this going on, I got that going on. I was like, I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. He's like, he's like, I just need some kind of you know distraction from that or whatever. And I yeah. was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, oh, okay. So we we drove to Taco Bell and I put in t- Polar Similar. It was like the day the album came out. I popped the CD in because uh, I still listen to CDs because I'm an old person. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I popped the CD in and he's listening to it. He's like, oh, man. He's like, he's like, who is this? And I was like, it's Norma Jean. He's like, this Norma Jean? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, oh, man, this just sounds really – I was like, dude, you know what? You're going through a tough time. You can just have it. Just take it. I'll just, yeah, I'll just so go to Best cool. Buy. I'll just go to Best Buy. Yeah, I'll just go to Best Buy in the morning. And now, yeah. like, if you listen to that podcast, he always, like, compares almost every album to Polar Similar. It's hilarious. Wow. Well, but uh, this, as far as the space theme goes, that was kind of the first time that I've really noticed a, uh, like, an actual theme as far as, like, an atmospheric theme to an album. And I apologize if there were before that I just didn't pick up on. But uh, th- that, that was the first time. Yeah. yeah, that was the first time I was like, holy shit, they're taking a theme and they're fucking running with it, you know? Like you know, you end you end the album with a with a fucking three parter, you know, like the Nexus and shit. Like it's like holy yeah. wow, okay. Um, yeah, is that something that we are that we can as fans can like look forward to in the future? Is there like gonna be a theme, or is that one of those like, hey man, you know, <laughs> we're just gonna do what we're yeah. gonna do? And it, it's it's kind of uh, so. I mean, every record is is we're just ex- we're experimenting with something, and it. You know, I can say that it's I can break down every single record and what that record was in in the sense of getting to the next one, you know, where, oh, God, was just me coming into the band and, you know, four dudes looking at me going, so got any riffs? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I got a bunch and, you know, took I got a briefcase full of riffs. Yeah, yeah here's a <laughs> lot of riffs and I'm not that great of a singer yet, but I'll figure it out along the way. You know, and then Enter Redeemer was just let's let's experiment with melody and see how that works and a little more of that, you know, and take some vocal lessons. So, you know, in a sense, that record had to happen to give way to this next one. And then I think by the time we get to the anti-mother, that was really uh, I call it a sacrificial lamb because that was let's try singing a lot and but keep it heavy. Like, how can we do that? How can we make a record be heavy and and still sing over the whole thing is that even possible yeah i consider your linchpin record like a hundred percent like you have norma jean up to that point and then you have norma jean after and even though like obviously on later records you definitely went back to that old sound in places like you were talking about there's always that one song yeah you know um, i think that, that you know and that that whole thing was just you know then we did you know, Meridional and then Wrongdoers. And it, it really was to try to make Polar similar. Yeah. And it, Wrongdoers was really us trying to make Polar similar. That's what it was. And so I don't see it as a failure in any way, because like I said, I think it had to happen 
that way. But when we did get to that record and we finished it, we were like, oh my gosh, we did it. And um, that was definitely a record where we felt like we ended a trilogy in, in the sense of Meridian Oil and Wrongdoers and ending with Polar Similar. And so now I think where we are was how do we just switch it up and, and really, really go for something totally off the wall without without losing ourselves because i've seen a lot of bands just go a completely different direction before which and sometimes it turns out to be insane oh Oaks yeah Fall did. Yeah, well, Fall yeah. did that and it was great yeah they worked but, they, they figured it out yeah yeah they just like went straight to it um for us it's a little different where we we like to take all the elements that we liked from previous things and put it into the new thing so yeah, uh, with the new record, it's definitely a kind of uh, we 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 started with a lot of I don't knows, and by the time we finished it, we were you know, blown away on our own. And then just going to Will and recording in a completely different way. I've never I've never heard Norma Jean like this. Honestly, it, it's it's uh, it's new territory for sure. But I'm pretty pumped on it. So I can't say what the theme is necessarily. I think it's kind of to be heard and we're still mixing. So we'll see how it goes. But those elements are still in there. Um, I think we just, we, I don't know, mixed them in a little uh, more evenly, I guess you could say. So it's kind of interesting you guys touched on Hope's Ball, and I knew Dan was going to probably ask you the polar similar question that he did. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things, though, you know, you guys touch on with a band like Hope's Ball where, you know, you look at, like, Satellite Years or whatever, and a lot of fans, you know, like yourselves, are looking to that band and what they did and how they kind of have traversed their career from sound-wise. And what's interesting to me is, and I didn't want to cut you off to ask this, but it's like, you know, you as a fan – you're able to look at that now and go like, oh, they figured out how to do it perfectly. But from my recollection, I don't really remember fans liking it initially. It was a stark contrast from what there was. And so as a result, I look at a band, like I did a, a whole discography discussion on Deftones where we broke down every record track by track. Now, looking back on something like Adrenaline with the foresight of seeing what was going to, already knowing what's going to come, I was able to look at some of those weird songs, and I'm like, what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense on the rest <laughs> of Adrenaline. But I wonder if this is a Chino song, but we didn't know at the time that Chino played guitar and was writing songs. So with that in mind, looking at a band like them or like a Hope's Fall, where in the moment you're like, what the fuck is this? But afterwards you're like, oh my god, they did it so great, and you forget how you felt in the moment. Do you kind of, you know, you're talking about this trilogy of sorts with, you know, those three records... Did it feel like to you, are you starting to see fans now come around now that they have all these records and kind of have more of the breadcrumb trail that they're able to follow and go, I get it now. I can see where you were going, but it took all of these records to finally get it. Or are you still getting people who are like, well, I still really don't like wrongdoers. I think that was a misstep for you guys. But Polar Similar and either record on either end of that are really great. Are you getting that? or I, I think... For, there's two different things there. And one is that everyone's going to kind of compare to different things. Like you were saying, your, your, your friend compares records to that record now, you know, polar similar mm -hmm. now. Yeah. That's what everyone's going to do. So what I'm saying that hopes fall nailed it 
I'm comparing that to where another band switched up their sound completely and it just tanked, yeah. you know, and they just, they just went so far off the rails that they alienated everything that they had built and had to start over. And then it's like going back to being a local band, you know, like, do you really want to do all that work again? Cause, and where I, where I say a hopes fall, at least kept some of those elements that kind of stayed in that, it was like a curve rather than just like a, you know. As long as it sounds like space, it's fine. As long as he's not, as long as he, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if he's screaming or singing, as long as it, it has that atmosphere. You can tell it's those guitar players. You can hear their oh, guitar yeah. tone. You can hear, like, even on the new record, it's like, that's, that's the Hope's Fall guitar tone. I know that. And it, it's, 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 but it just sounds great. Um, so that's where I'm coming from with that. But then I think, um, to oh crap i forgot the thing you, you just said don't edit this out keep me forgetting this <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> um what was the what was the second thing you you said oh yeah or do we get that okay so the second thing i was gonna say was i think sometimes i've learned that from fans there's so many times when fans have said was this on purpose this into this and now i go Nope, but holy <laughs> crap, I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, I, you know, because, you know, a lot of times we are just experimenting around, but it's still us. It's still the guitar tone we like. It's still the type of drums and type of vocals and, and us trying to, it's like, yeah, we want to sing over this, but we still want it to be heavy. You know, I don't want to lose that um, for, this, for the most part. Um if the part calls for it, but you know, so you, it, there, you still have that personality there. That's kind of all, it's just always going to be there because it's us. But um, yeah, I think, I think people do figure that out and they see kind of where it's going. And um, I, I love it. it. I feel like over, over the last few years between wrongdoers and polar similar and to now it's, it's become a really cool community with, with Norma Jean and, and our uh, non-mysterious connection with fans. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't like any of that stuff. I, I just, I like to talk to people and find out what they think about stuff and, and get feedback. And, um, you know, I, no matter what, I'm going to take that and, and try to find a way to use it. Well, and it's funny, you talk a lot about, um, about theme and it's still us and all that. And, I'm going to jump back a little bit in that, like, something I talked about on my other podcast was, you know, when, when Norma Jean first started, you know, um, Josh was the captain of the ship, more more or less. And so when you stepped in on Oh God, you became, I don't, and I don't know if it happened on that record, but it definitely became that way over time. You became the captain of that ship. And so I guess the the question I have is, you know, what, what kind of, or what, I guess, what was that like for you as far as like, you're, you're coming into this band, you know, at the time, you know, you'd come into a band that was already basically established. I mean, they'd only had one record or two mm -hmm. records if you count, uh, throwing myself, but, uh, yeah. you know, what was that like as far as like, okay, now what I think and what my ideas are, are valid enough to dictate the, the direction of the band what what was that like for you as far as you know did you did you worry about 
fan, not, not necessarily fans, but just you worried about the perception of like, oh my God, this new guy's in here and he's taking it in a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. Or was it just kind of one of those like, this is what I've always wanted to do musically. And now that I have this outlet, I'm going to use it. I think I, I come from a pretty unique place in that where it, it wasn't like I, you know, I was just like a random dude that was like, Oh, Hey, do you want to try out for Norma Jean kind of thing? Like right, yeah. it, at, at the time, you know, um, you know, when Josh had left it, it that record wasn't even out yet. Um, right, right. And you know, there was there, you know, there was a fill in a little bit in between and then, um, but really what it was is that we were all best friends. <laughs> we were all really, really good friends. I was doing another band and, um, we were just fans of each other's band. And so, I mean, this is, you know, late nineties. Yeah, you know, I know. I'm asking it, you to jump back like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, that's really so. It's so from from that perspective of you know this record hasn't even popped yet, and and we're all just friends. And then you know Josh tells me, hey, I'm quitting. You know, I was there that day. No, no one even knows that I, I was there the day that it happened, and we're all just good friends. And so I just kind of saw it as like, like yeah, I'll I'll come check it out, you know, and and see where it goes. I don't think I got like anxious, stressed out, which yes, did happen until it was 2005 and we're putting out a record and I got to perform. And I, at that point I'd never, uh, I'd only recorded one record and a two song EP and not in a real studio, you know, not really. So being in that position of, can I even do this? Um, <laughs> you know, there, there, you find out a lot about yourself in that time. So, um, so yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a little of both. But you know, coming into it, I just saw it as like, uh, you know, I'm gonna go play music with my friends who I've known for a long time, and and make music in Atlanta and travel to Atlanta for nine and a half years and see where it goes. And that was late 2003 um and i'm still here yeah <laughs> and 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 like i said i think that's where my perception of uh you know i was like i i have to be i have to ditch the the idea of of you know being loyal to a face because that's what you what you want and we were all so very lucky to have the chariot and now 68. So it's like, think about that too. You know, right. like I want that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to hear that. So there's so many good things that came out of it. And I don't think there's, there's a way to find a negative in that unless, unless you just need the title of this band to go with, with a certain guy. Yeah. There's no negative at all. Like, I mean, I remember thinking, at that time, like, okay, one of my favorite bands just morphed into two bands that I like. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was definitely, for me, it wasn't a negative at all. But, like, it's just interesting to see um, somebody come in and it be this, like, quote-unquote great le- – it seemed like a great legacy back in 2002, right? Or, like, 2001. 
um, to come in and, and basically, you know, because when I think of Norma Jean now, I can't even imagine like when I when I listen when I go back and listen to uh, Bless the Martyr, I'm like, it's not even the same band. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it's like when Oh God came out, I started listening to this new band called Norma Jean, and you know, yeah, uh, and that but that was cool, and I, I definitely as a fan, you know, um, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I already went into this for like two hours on my other podcast, but like it it was uh, it was definitely cool and. I think it was interesting seeing kind of more more of a melodic side thrown into the band, a little bit more of like a personality. Yeah, I think that's important to talk about too. If you're going to really talk about the the history of everything, is that when I came into that was kind of a a common direction for that everyone wanted to go in. So it's not like I I came in and was like, this is what we're going to do now. You know, uh, I right. was definitely presenting lots of ideas, but, you know, Scotty was a, was a very strong songwriter and, you know, tons of the stuff that, that was on, uh, Redeemer, the anti-mother Meridional were, were stuff that was, he, that was coming from him. And so it was kind of already a trajectory that I was thrown into. So where we are now is, is really the path that was it was going in. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, you know, no original members are, are in the band. Well, they were here all the way up until it turned into what it is now. Right. And um, except for one guy. And so you think about it that way, it it does kind of you see where the history was. And and then, you know, anyone leaving it, it to us, it's, it was always just, you know, we're we're friends. Like if you want to go start a family and buy a home and, and do something else. Like I got to support that. Um, you know, I, I want to support my friends and going to do trying different things. Um, but you know, I, I was solidified, you know, I've uplifted my entire life to, to do this. So for me, it was just like, I I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep it going. And, you know, all the way into wrongdoers with me and Chris and, and, uh, Jeff coming in and and all the way to Polar Similar with with me and Jeff and and uh, you know Goose and stuff. So it it's it's uh it has a path that it was going to take whether we liked it or not. And <laughs> like I said, I think that if we had been so anchored in the idea of you know loyalty to a brand or, uh, you know, a band name kind of thing that, you know, we, we probably would have made a lot more <laughs> musical mistakes along the way, trying to keep that up. Sure. So I think it, it was best for us to just kind of ignore it. So something I kind of wanted to hit on as we're slowly wrapping up, cause I know we got to let you go here pretty quickly. Um, what's going on with hundred sons? Oh, we are broke. And in debt, <laughs> and love it, love it. We we live in different countries, yep. and it's so hard to do anything. And we, it, it sucks because uh, we talk every day, and we just talk about how we wish we could, you know, be closer to do, just play a show, you know. So we are trying to do that. Still, we're trying to play some music and get out of debt, and we are also writing. 
So I've already demoed a couple of things and it sounds really cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean that that's just been a passion project from the beginning. And again, just like me and Chris have been friends for a long time. We wanted to work with each other. So, um, for us, it's just a way to, to do that and make it cool and make our own thing from, you know, the very beginning, something that we created. And so that's kind of a, a fun thing, I guess you could say, but, uh, I don't know I, I would do it. I would do that a lot more if I could someone pay for us to do it. I just thought it was fitting that it's like, by the time that a project got announced legs, it just, you know, basically left every time I die, which then caused a uh, goose to go, <laughs> to go over there. Um, and so it was just one of those things. It was really weird timing wise. It's like, Oh, I'm not doing this touring band thing. I'm not doing the band thing anymore. And then it seemed like two, three months later, it's like, Hey, I got this new band hundred sons. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it was actually quite a bit later. He, he'd already, he'd already been out of, uh, cause Daniel was on yeah. a record in between and stuff. And, but yeah, it, um, I, I like to say that, that, uh, uh, us and every time I die, like to play drummer music or musical chairs. Yeah. yeah, and we like to trade drummers, and it's like a fun little thing. I think it's hilarious and should be fun. <laughs> I don't know if they've addressed it at all, but I think it's awesome, and and I, I back it a hundred percent. Well, then I feel like a weird split seven inch where you swap drummers currently. And cover one of each other's songs. I think would be a fun, weird thing. To Dude, do. I'll I'll pre-order that right now if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get to work on the artwork right away so we can throw the pre-order. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's the funny thing about this podcast is with John being the massive Every Time I Die fan and me being the massive Norma Jean fan. It was it was like yeah, when when yeah, hundred good... when Hundred Sons was announced, I was like, holy shit! Now my favorite band, one of my favorite bands, is like <laughs> split into like five different fucking bands you know like, yeah it was awesome yeah that's cool man i mean that hey, that's a good combo if you ask me oh yeah i think pe- people ask us all the time it's like why did you you know what's why wouldn't norma jean and every time i die do a tour it's like we did we did warp tour and, yeah, and absolutely. well we did we did a tour um in the states and mm-hmm. it kind of didn't do great because hey, I, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's one of those things that that it's like we have the same fans for the most part. Like we're not bringing anybody. I'm not bringing anybody to the table for you. You're not bringing in the table for me. It's not. We're just. It's just like we get all all the 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 best. We get the best of the best, which is great. But um, it, you know, it, it was fun to do, but it's not really realistic when you think about it. Oddly enough, I. Because I saw you on that He Is Legend run that came here through GR. I feel like that was the same. Like, I, I didn't see – I saw a lot of people during He Is Legend, and I didn't see, like, more people trickling in after they were done. Because I came in, I was like, this is decently packed for this room. But no one else came in when they were done, and I was like, huh. I, I think that I think our tours with them are, are some of the best ones because they actually do bring some different people out. And, and but, yeah, it, it yeah, you – Cause a lot of a tour, like people don't realize too, when you, when you do a tour with any band, you, you're going to have fans of all, all those bands. The headliner is going to take the hit usually more than anyone, unless they're just massive. Right. Um, and so you're going to have walkouts and stuff, 
but with 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 his legend, we we've all been pretty lucky that people stick around and um, we don't have uh, have that issue. But yeah, walkouts are a thing. It's it, it, it it's like I'm coming to see you guys and then I'm leaving. It's like that's cool. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. You right. don't have to. You don't necessarily have to We've feel bad money, about that, okay. in my opinion. But I'm the. I, I that probably isn't okay to say. But no, I don't know. it's probably. Not. I just doesn't, it doesn't. I don't know, man. Like I do that. I'm not gonna pr- try to pretend like I don't go to a show and watch the band I came to see and then peace out. Um. But yeah, you know, I, I'll usually stick around and, and check out at least a little bit. And then uh, there's tons of times when it's like, oh, the, the headliner is the band I'm not familiar with. And I ended up liking the band. So, uh, you know, everyone's got to do what what's I mean, at the end of the day, it's the entertainment industry. Everyone, it's <laughs> get, business. get rid of this loyalty stuff because it, it's music and um, you know, it's it's not a club. It's not it's not like that. I think. It, you know, for us, we always think we got 30 minutes on stage or an hour. Then I, I better put every single bit of everything I can into that one 30 minutes or one hour because these people paid their hard-earned nine-to-five money to come see my dumb band play. <laughs> I, you know, get to get away from something and, and, and be in a place where, where, you know, you get away from – whatever you might be going through outside those doors and, and let loose and stuff. So yeah. And those, at those times I embrace the entertainment side of it. You know, we're on a stage, we're the loudest thing in the room. All the lights are facing us. Uh, let's put on a rock show. So like you have to play Memphis at the end of the night, right? Like you sometimes have to, you have to, sometimes <laughs> don't have to, don't we, have, we to. have, we actually haven't been playing it. And, um, it's been fine. It's been cool. We 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 ended uh, the In Flames tour with with Deathbed, and it was a lot of fun. One of the questions I had to ask is like, so your guys' return to Solid State um, was interesting to me because obviously you you had come up as a as a Solid State band, you know, and uh, and then you moved away to Razor and Tie for a while and um, went back to Solid State. Is Solid State the still company still the same company that it was uh, before, or is it like changed ownership? Because I know. I know for a while they were tooth and nails. They it was basically tooth and nail for it's heavy still bands. That. Okay, it's still that, but um, I don't know. It's kind of a lot of boring, like <laughs> like because uh, I think you know the label thing is weird because at, it, essentially it's just it's it's a uh, it's kind of like you're working with um, passionate investors and. For us, we're we're looking for people who are the most excited about what we're doing at the time, and I th- I think and I can't answer for Solid State, but um, all I know is that they they went through a little transitional period and they 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 broke off with a parent label that they were a part of a much bigger uh, yeah it conglomerate was, it was EMI, type thing. which was just like a strictly Christian music label. Yeah, which is basically universal too, right. by the way. Right. So, I think when they when they were able to get back to being an indie label, which is where they are now, and which is where we original what we originally had signed with, 
they they were able they they were able to have a lot more freedom, and so that was kind of what was happening at the time was we had everything that we wanted for the anti mother went through so much red tape. Oh, I believe it, a hundred percent. Yeah. When you have a parent label basically saying, "Just say no to everything," hmm. and we literally got told that we 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 were told eventually way later that they they were kind of they were stuck and there was nothing they could do and they were they 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 were also trapped in that sense so they're free and it's it's awesome now man so we're 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 so so stoked to be to be back with them and to do this this next album with them and they, I, they have i i i hope it stays like this forever cuz it's it's a it's the actual dream that we've been waiting for for years and years and they're just the best people. Well, yeah, and I, I love the more modern solid state and the more modern tooth and nail. You know, polar similar. One of the biggest things was, you know, uh, you guys said fuck on a record, which like doesn't bother me as yeah. an individual at all. But like back in you know the Redeemer days or the Oh God days, that would not have been a thing that would have been okay. You know. Well, to be fair, we didn't tell them. and they they were kind of bummed but um i feel like if that's going to get brought up i got to explain go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean and and that just comes from uh a a deeper thing with me in that i just don't think a word by itself can be bad I no, think intention is important. And for what that song is about, it's about, you know, protecting yourself and your boundaries and your your livelihood, your family, with whatever it takes in, in a very, very serious uh, um, moment, you know, or circumstance. Yeah. And so for me, it was just, that's what goes there is... You know, I'm not fucking around. Yeah. You know, like you crossed a line and I have to close that off. And it's not it's not a negative thing towards anyone. It's not calling someone a name or whatever that it's it's just a very, very passionate response to something. And so the intention is important. And I think that that's what people should always pay attention to when they hear the bad words in the world is. What context was it in? What was the intention? Because if if you're going to talk about, you know, censorship, um, which I do not think should exist, um, then you have you you have to at least look into that deeper. Because if not, we will censor everything. We'll censor anything and everything. So that's just a personal belief. I, I, I know a lot of of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ don't agree with me on that. <laughs> And it's okay. We can't agree on everything. Um, but I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not apologetic about it all. I'm, I meant what I said on that song. And uh, I think it's a, a, an important song for me, at least. Yeah. And I mean, I largely agree. I mean, I'm definitely like a card carrying go to church every Sunday, you know. <laughs> yeah. Christian, but like, you know, it, I definitely that added so much to the impact of that song. Absolutely. And the, the whole, the whole 
emotion behind that part and the buildup and just the silence there and that. I mean, I wanted that guitar part to go for three minutes. Like originally I was like, just don't stop playing that guitar part until you feel like I just want to hear that forever until it just comes in. Um, so it was meant to be this very intense and that, and, you know, part of me singing that part's almost, uh, you can't really understand what I'm saying, you know, just listening to it. And it's because I didn't want it to be this like hardcore kind of like, I'm not fucking, you know, right, <laughs> sure, like, yeah. like a throat. I wanted like, to be fucking, like a yeah. total freak out. Like, you know, like really like I'm, I'm going to punch some walls and, and totally lose my mind in, in, in a, uh, purposeful emotional way. So, that's what that part is. And it, I think that that's what comes across if, if you really understand those things. So, I, you know, again, intention is important context. So I was doing a, I was doing an episode of my other podcast, discography discussion. We were talking about POD and how they did uh, their song murdered love where they said fuck, but then they edited it for the actual, uh, for the actual release. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was funny is they were, uh, you know, I we we were we were joking about that, and uh, we started talking about the norm. I, I was like, "Well, Norman Jean said fuck on an album, and nobody cared." You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there wasn't the blowback, at least as far as I saw. You know, from that, and uh, you know, I, I was like, "I think it was it was fine for the song, and you know, like perfect." You know, and uh, <laughs> my my co-host, the guy that I was talking about that that had the that compares everything to Polar Somewhere, goes, "I'm, I'm not convinced he's saying." fucking it sounds more like he's saying i'm not fapping around (laughs) (laughs) i was like i was like holy shit i was like if he actually said that also i was gonna say if he actually said fapping that makes it a hundred times better (laughs) hey that also works i I, the the same context works right (laughs) well that's what i said it's just a little more comical that way (laughs) that's what i said i was like dude if he actually said fapping that's like way more Corey than you know (laughs) than we were willing to admit i used to have a rule on tour where um if someone on the tour said hey are you saying this on this song and it was always wrong i would of course i would i had a personal rule no one made me do this i don't know why i do this to myself i think it's funny to embarrass myself is probably why but i'm i had to sing it that night at least one time and i mean i've said like bringing a duck to a cockfight oh shit uh, <laughs> i've said oh man I've, I've said so many insane things and and some of them have just been very very audible <laughs> right it's like what did you did you change the lyrics yes i did and I thought it was funny. So uh, now um, I'll try to remember that. And next time we play that song, I'll I'll throw it in for y'all. If you're, if you're in St. Louis, at least, please. Yeah, okay. We come through St. Louis. I think we are, too, pretty soon. So I'll try to remember. Maybe maybe uh, hit me up and remind me. I will, because, <laughs> like, if you come to St. Louis, I will definitely bring you beer. All right, bro. That's, that's the awesome. that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, the agreement I made with Zayo. And I will also make with you that if you come to St. Louis, I will absolutely bring you beer. So Grand Rapids has better beer. He's full of shit. <laughs> Don't listen Tell to him. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> he's he's full of shit. Don't listen to him. We have the best beer. We have a terrible music scene, but we have great beer. I, 
I believe I remember you asking me to get you a bottle of KBS this hey, year. Hey, you know what? You need to shut up about that. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, it's all good to me. So, well, right. people, think... people always have the barbecue thing too. Like, uh... the best barbecue is here. I'm like, all of it's good. I don't know yeah. what the like everywhere. All of <laughs> I don't need to, one to be better. There's not all... bad barbecue. Yeah, like. As well, long as you're no, cooking in a pit in a parking lot, you're good. There is yeah. bad beer though. You're, oh, that's, yeah, that's a different thing. Well, kind of in uh kind of in wrapping this up, uh, where can everyone find you and or the band? Um, we're all over the internet, so on all the on all the the uh, social media sites. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> you can find me <laughs> at Corey Brandon B R A N D A N on on Twitter and everywhere else and uh the band is norma jean band everywhere else uh norma you can check out dates and stuff and we'll have a, a lot of announcements coming up pretty soon a lot of music and and cool really cool things we get to do cool stuff pretty soon so we're excited well thank you for taking the time and uh looking forward to the new record and subsequent touring i know dan will be oh awesome. dude i'm stoked i can't wait i'll bring like 10 people it's fine He's probably pre-ordering this this podcast as we speak. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I'm I'm all about that shit. Like 100%. <laughs> so that was our conversation with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean. Um, Dan, once again, did the heavy lifting. So, I mean, for someone who has uh, spent a lot of time trying to get Corey on the podcast, how was this for you? Uh, it was very enjoyable. Thank you for asking. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, it was definitely a bucket list interview, uh, and I'm hoping to I'm hoping to repeat the same thing in about a week or, or so here. But uh, yeah, no, it was a good conversation. I definitely enjoyed his willingness to dig into some of the topics that maybe he's discussed before on other podcasts. Although I can't really think of it of any time where uh, he's talked about this stuff specifically. But like, I really wanted to dig into that, like. What was it like, you know, becoming the new captain of the ship? You know, what was it like um, steering the band in a direction that, you know, maybe fans would appreciate or wouldn't appreciate? But one of the things I found really interesting, considering how much their sound has changed over the time, how, over the over the last decade or so, how he was still very much like, yeah, but, you know, we still try to do something for the people that only like the first album. Or we really love people that that only love the first album. That's not the response that I was expecting to get, and so it was it was pretty refreshing. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I mean I I realized after the fact how shitty my question may have come off. Like, you know, there's no original members in the band. What is the what is the point of trying to sound like a band that you weren't really a part of? Continuing to move forward, like to me, I would almost be like. That was then. This is now. We aren't those people. Those people aren't us. So there's no need to to pay it forward by looking like paying respects to what came before it. And maybe that's a weird thing to say, but like I just I don't see, you know. And this is a question I was going to ask, but you know, we kind of asked it in a more polite way. But it's like you look at a band like Killswitch Engage, who has had two singers. Um, you look at you know. A band like we'll even go with Van Halen. We'll, we, there's plenty of bands. Haste the day. There's plenty of bands that have had multiple singers and so forth. That drowning pool. <laughs> so yeah, we go and, on and on. Yeah. And the thing becomes though is you know I would say a lot of those bands while they sort of tip the hat to who came before them, everybody has kind of moved on and doesn't feel the need to necessarily repeat what they've already done or or kind of pay you know pay homage to it. And so the fact that you know Corey 
honestly, at this point, like with how long he's been in the band, you might as well call him an original member because I don't think any original member has been in the longest Corey has at this point. So the fact that he still and the band still feels this need to appease fans from the very beginning is, is kind of interesting, given the fact that it seems like they're a very potentially a very fickle fan base that honestly probably doesn't care that they actually put forth the effort to do such a thing. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's jerks like me that'll just criticize it like, oh, this sounds cool, but it doesn't sound like Bless the Martyr cool, you know. <laughs> uh, I think I spent like a couple hours explaining that. But uh, I think I think it was refreshing because, like, he was very open about the fact that he was a fan of the old Norma Jean and he was friends with. And so I think, you know, part of their mindset behind picking him as the singer, you know, early on was because he was a like-minded individual. You know, and they and they put out an album like Oh God, The Aftermath, which was very much in the same vein. You know? Did you know that he was there when Josh quit the band? I don't think I've ever heard I that. I don't think actually. I've heard him say that before. Yeah, that's uh, that's news to me. It's weird, too, because they had that horrible dude in there for a while doing uh, they, doing doing vocals in place of Josh for like half a year or something. They had another guy, and he was really bad. No, like really bad. You can if you if you pull up the uh, I think it's a Hellfest uh, video on YouTube. It's got that guy on there, and it's just it's literally the worst singing to a Norma Jean song I've ever heard. But uh, all that aside, uh, you know it was a good chat for sure, and I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And um, and like I was saying in the intro, you know I try really hard not to sound overly familiar. Because you don't want to get like too touchy feely with somebody. Because at the end of the day, you don't know them. This is your first time really talking to them. But I, I thought that was really interesting because it reminded me of something else that had happened to me a couple weeks ago, where I, you know, I walk into a Best Buy, and I'd been at that Best Buy for like three or four months. Uh, I'd been there three or four months earlier buying like a, a USB thumbstick or something, and um, I went in to spend some extra rewards points or something that I had. But the first time that I went in there uh, a few months ago, I told, I met this guy who was just like, hey, I like your shirt or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, you like metal, heavy music or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, you know, I've got two podcasts where that's what we do. You know, <laughs> like we talk about, we talk about music and, and, and metal and, and hardcore and, and all that stuff. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll check it out. So then whenever I come in there like a week ago, <laughs> He literally, he, he approaches me as soon as I walk into the store and he's just all like, oh, hey, Dan, how are you? You know, how, how, how are things going? And this is not weird. Like, I mean, he was a totally cool dude. And I, you know, uh, appreciate him talking with me and everything. But uh, it was uh, it was kind of funny how familiar he was with me the second time. Because like in that three or four month stretch, this dude's probably listened to like 60 hours of me talking. You know, and uh, I, I thought that was really weird. I thought it was weird. I didn't think it was creepy or anything, but I could I could kind of see how if it was with the wrong person, it would be creepy, you know, <laughs> but uh, but no, this dude was cool. But I, it just got me thinking, like, I how I probably feel that way about a lot of bands because I've been listening to them forever. You know, it was kind of that way with Hope's Fall. It was definitely that way with Zayo. And um, it, it definitely was... Uh, just an interesting thing to think about, you know, as far as me and my growth as a, as an interviewer, like it's cool to be familiar, but you know, maybe don't like creep people out because <laughs> I'm trying to think too, of how many other podcasters, like you think you just know because you've listened to their voice for hundreds of hours. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's an interesting line to kind of have to straddle, especially, like you said, you feel like you know them because you've spent countless hours with them and, and watching pseudo-personal experiences that, that they've had. However, you're not a part of their day-to-day, so, like, something that, you know, like an inside joke that you have taken from, like, a DVD is long gone and forgotten about. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I know, like, when we did on discography discussion, we did, we did that contortionist episode, and I talked a lot about, like, depression and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I have had people email me or approach me before and be like, hey, you know, I just hope everything's going all right with you and everything's good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, that was, that was like four years ago, you know, like, that's, <laughs> we're, we're, we're past that now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of in wrapping up, though, just because uh, I feel like anything we talk about after this will just kind of be beating a dead horse. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's just beat you, it. <laughs> if you would like to follow Norma Jean, you can find them on Facebook at Norma Jean, Instagram at Norma Jean Ban, as well as Twitter at Norma Jean Ban. If you would like to follow Corey, you can find him simply enough at Corey Brandon, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them on MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can send me an email at DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. And you can also find my other podcast on DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BrewSpeakPod. Email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And if you want to go to YouTube, you can find us there at Brutally Speaking. And for the Brutally Speaking podcast this week, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.